0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the India Independent Films Podcast, where we talk about films and with a little bit focus on film writing. I am Pankaj Sasteva. I write on my blog, Department of Irony, and also contribute to articles on IF website. i have with me, Rahul Desai, a critic for The Film Companion and writer for other publications. Uh, We spoke last, uh, a few days ago, about our 90s films. So we will continue a little bit on that today as well and a little bit on the screenplay. Uh, but before I go, there, Rahul, how has this week been?
1: It's, it's different this time because we've spoken within a week. So, uh, <clears throat> So, I mean, the week has been pretty hectic. I had like four or five reviews. It was actually... I was just telling someone yesterday that for at least for Hindi film critics, it's one of the worst weeks of the year because I think now before the World Cup, there are bun- like I think there's a like a, a an avalanche of releases because I think during the World Cup, not everyone's confident uh, during the Cricket World Cup. So before 6th October, there are like some 10 or 12 titles coming out across um, web shows and films and streaming and everything. So yeah, this week was uh, was not good because there were like. Um, four films, including uh, four titles, including a Vishal Bhardwaj series, Charlie Chopra, and the Mystery of Solang Valley, and uh, yeah, I found it really underwhelming. It's the first time I've, I've said that about anything that Vishal Bhadwaj has made because even his um, even films like Rangoon and all I used to always find very interesting, even though you know you could see what where they went wrong. But uh, yeah, so it's the sort of week where even Vishal Bhardwaj can't rescue it. There are other films. There was like. Which is co-written by Nitesh Tiwari and Ashwini Ayer. Uh, I noticed that you like Bawal, so you might uh, you might just uh, this might just work for you. But again, it it was only co-written by Nitesh Tiwari. It's a new director, and uh, it's releasing on Hotstar, I think. And uh, I I mean it 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 has Ishwak Singh in it, and for me Ishwak Singh. I don't. I know a lot of people love him. I have loved him in Rocket Boys and in Patalok Lok, and you know he's a very interesting actor for a lot of people. But I still don't think he's... I still think he's very one note, and he has this very uh, good boyish face that doesn't work in slightly edgier roles. And this edgier role is like he plays a very Ranbir Kapoorish character in this, like a Tamasha era character in this film. So I don't think it worked for him. Uh, I think he was really bad in this film. So so yeah and um, there was the netflix show chuna which released after long delay which which is which is not really worth talking about and uh, yeah it's it's been a tough week but i watched saw 10 the new hollywood like the horror franchise basically the 10th installment so i've grown up watching a lot of these saw films and final destination because i'm a big fan of the horror franchise back in the 2000s 2004 to 6 or 7 when the first few uh, installments came out um so, Saw 10, apparently, is a direct sequel to the first film, which was 20 years ago. So, I was very excited to watch it. I watched that. I quite liked it, actually, even though it's, like, very difficult to sit through. I think one of the publicity stunts they're doing across the world is they're giving viewers vomit bags to go into the theater in case they feel like throwing up, because there's a lot of gore in this, and mm. it's it's torture porn at its worst, but... Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, for me, it was also pretty nostalgic because it was the same actors I had returned after 20 years. So it was, uh, I, I quite liked it and um, and I enjoyed writing about it like I think yesterday. So so that was the only saving grace in the week for me. Of course, there's a very, uh, uh, next few weeks are going to be very busy. So And I'm going to be traveling like uh, also half of October. So I have a lot to do before I go.
0: Yeah, I did not even know that there is another film by Desh Tiwari. It's uh, he's
1: like, uh, co written yeah. and produced it, yeah. He's okay. not, uh, but yeah, it's, okay. it's just it, uh, it's yeah, you can watch it whenever you have the
0: time. Yeah, no, I was like, I've not even seen the trailer and like no buzz at yeah. all. Uh, but yeah, and uh, was uh, that great Indian family? Was it, also yeah, we last watched,
1: week? I. It was last week. Yeah, good you brought that up because uh, it was a Yashraj film. Again, zero publicity. Nobody knew it was releasing. It was one of those Yashraj releases which they just dropped because they probably realized midway it's a risky film to like put out in the current climate, which is weird because it's one of their better films in like the last year or so. Uh, I quite enjoyed it. I, I mean, it's it's very on-the-nose. It's a religious satire which you don't see a lot of these days. It's it's very in the, in the style of PK back in the day and... and other religious set as we used to make before the current uh, government came into um, into power. So I, I thought it was quite nice and old school. And Vicky Kaushal is always so nice to watch on screen. You know, he's really uh, I think he can fit into so many actor shoes that he becomes his own actor in doing while doing that. You know, and uh, he's very effortless in his in song dance sequences in comedy in. In uh, even as a dramatic actor, he's surprisingly good as a crier. Like I hope more people talk about it over the years. Also he's become like after Uri he's become really built up and like very conventionally good looking almost, but he but he isn't succumbing to that um to that charm, you know, like the varundavan sort of charm or the the very rakish uh mainstream hero charm. I think he still has a lot to offer even when he does substandard films you know like uh, but this film worked for me like it, it probably came and disappeared in theaters nobody watched it Maybe whenever it comes on streaming it, it reminded me of like 10-20 years ago back when we used to actually make very potent religious such as where we weren't shying away from from, you know, showing Hindu characters in a Muslim locality and showing this tension between both of them, but also giving delivering this message of secularism. Now everything comes with a caveat. Uh, Bollywood is scared. Uh, streaming, the streamers are scared. Netflix, Amazon, they all have caveats, no? And they don't encourage this kind of storytelling. So if, if anyone has a chance, do watch it.
0: Right, right. It reminds me of that Bhavna Talwar's film Dharam, which was Pankaj Kapoor. I don't know if you remember it. it came in two thousand eight. Yeah, 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 yeah. The same premise, I think. You know, a father. Even that of you
1: know, like uh, even uh, five yeah, six yeah, years yeah, later, yeah, yeah, yeah. Same, you know, he discovers he is Muslim by birth, and then and he and he's also like a Hindu by God till then. So he has to have the change of things. Yeah, even I remember Dharam also. You
0: know? Yeah and of course there was janeja uh, that i think we didn't mention that janeja oh no, we a didn't movie. mention
1: that yeah, Jaa was probably the biggest title of last week uh, <laughs> because i feel like i've written about so much uh, janeja feels like four or five weeks ago yeah. but uh, no very interesting film because i've been noticing the kind of divisive reactions it has elicited online and you know there's one school of thought saying they have such such a great cast karina kapoor and two and and the two you know the sort of current best of the crop in terms of like streamers and the one some of the best actors of our generation and karina kapoor i think it's a great match like karina is great uh, it's the cast works wonders in fact it they work so well together as actors that you almost forget that the film itself is, doesn't work you know as a thriller because sujan Ghosh has this has this uh, habit of getting really gimmicky, you know, because he thinks he's now this godfather of thrillers in indie cinema, and that doesn't always work, even though, like, Badla did, like, uh, great at the box office, I don't think it was a good film, even though, again, Tapsee Pannu was, you know, not bad in it, Amitabh was there, but it it just, it always collapses in the last 10 or 15 minutes, so I see what he's trying to do in Janita, I'm not going to spoil it for people, we also did a podcast about it, but uh, it's been... Like, again, you know, he's very good at setting up thrillers. Like, this is in Kalimpong, and it reminded me of how Kani was set up. But, um, but, and again, this is based on devotion of suspect X. We've seen a bunch of adaptations over the years. Uh, But beyond the setup and the performances, it's very difficult to understand the twist at the end of the film or to even make peace with it, you know. Because the twist is not just a twist, it then affects the influence of your own of the entire film. And he's tried to adapt the original story into something more uh, something more sort of gimmicky almost. And, you know, almost challenging uh, the viewers, saying, if you've read um, the novel, I'm going to blow your mind. I'm going to change the ending. So it doesn't really work on, on that level. I see what he was trying to do. But I think he overthinks a lot of these thrillers. It's a very Bengali thing also. It's a cultural thing. Um, and I think the films think they are smarter than they are. They aren't. Uh, but at least he gets the basics right, you know, in, in these days, thrillers, small town, whodunits can be very, uh, very predictable. And this isn't even a whodunit, you know, the murder happens in the first 10 minutes and it's about like a why done it's almost like they they spend the rest of the film trying to between cops and um, the murderers. So, um, so, yeah, it, it was fairly middling for me. I wanted to like it till the last 20 minutes. I actually liked the film, but then it sort of goes kaput. Mm.
0: I am watching it right now I will finish it in a day <laughs> I think, until I, I now I'm really liking it because I think Kareena yeah, is yeah. Uh, very, uh, very interesting um, Exactly Like Kareena Okay, uh, let's come to our topic uh, which is the 90s films Again, I'll ask a bunch of films and actors yeah. and you know what you think about them and what your memories are associated with them So first let me start with um, Sunny Deol Uh, And, you know, there are just films like Ghayal and Damini. These were the 90s films. Uh, And now this other two has come in, which is not, I mean, uh, again, have you ever liked him as an actor?
1: I mean, I'll Uh, be honest, in the 90s, he was probably my least favorite of the stars. Like, uh, I never really liked him as an actor. I think he was really limited. And he worked more as a star, as a very sort of throwback to the angry young man that Amitabh sort of brought into the 70s and like you only associate Sunny with the volume of his voice for the longest time and I think he made some very interesting choices in the 90s though like as you mentioned Gael and Damini uh, uh, and uh, uh, a um, couple of courtroom you know sequences yeah. that have stood the test of time there and he also um, of course he also did the you know films like Border and a bunch of others that went on to become blockbusters and sort of really cemented his name in, in the same bracket as, say, uh, say a bracket just under the Khans, you know, like the others, the best of the rest almost. Um, I mostly only associated him with, you know, the guy who got jealous after Dar. <laughs> like, I I never liked, like, I thought he was great for that film. I thought it was a very, a very good casting by Yash Chopra. Um, very unusual to see Sunny Deol in that film. Of course, Shahrukh stole the—you know—he stole the limelight with that. Uh, and we read about the controversies after that. They didn't speak for ages. Uh, Sunny was very upset that uh, he didn't get the credit for that film, and Shahrukh stole the show. But uh, I mean, those are petty sort of star ego battles and all. I, I can understand why that happened in the 90s. But you know, for a for a For an actor who has sort of such limited capabilities and even that his son of Dharmendra, he came with baggage also and there was always that thing to break out under the shadow uh, of the shadow of your father. And I think, you know, to his credit, he did that fairly early on. Like um, at some point, people stopped thinking of him as Dharmendra's son. Back then, nepotism was far more normalized than it is today. Now if you see someone from the industry will immediately cry in back then it was fairly normal because that's how that's why Shahrukh became so famous because he was one of the only outsiders. So uh, it was taken as par for the course. and I think Sunny Deol broke away from the deal from the Dharmendra shadow very early on with the choices he made, with the angry sort of characters he played with the anti-establishment rage that he represented in some of those films. I think, uh, and he was also a very different kind of action star in that sense, you know, like uh, if you see some of the scenes in Ghayal, uh, it, it it was very different from the kind of action that Akshay Kumar and Sunil Chetty came to represent in the 90s. So so for me, I was never a favorite. In fact, I watched also Ghayal uh, and uh, uh, and Damani and all these films much later on, you know, like uh, I think in the 2000s almost, when I was actually... Uh, when I was actually wondering uh, when I when Gadar became a super hit and I was like oh wow he's made it finally like as a solo superstar because till then it he was never a superstar per se he was always a big star so um, and I always thought also he's a very he's an underrated director you know like I don't know how many people have seen Gael once again the action sequences in Gael once again the which is the sequel to Gael. Uh, were pretty good. And it was uh, politically also was pretty on the nose. It was taking a direct pot shot at uh, someone like um, Ambani, you know, like it It was uh, it was a direct sort of um, message to how, you know, sort of billionaires can be villains in Bombay or in this country. And um, again, he, re- he he represented that anti-establishment sort of thing. And there were flashbacks of Gael and also I thought it was a very, I, I'm still a big fan of Gael once again, I feel like not enough people have watched it, and I thought it was a. If you ever want to make a sequel 20 years down the line, that's the way to do it, you know. And and it has some very slick action sequences. I thought he he directed it pretty well, which was surprising. Um, I think like these old school action stars from the 90s, like Ajay Devgan and Sunny Deol, um, when they make films, I think they have a better understanding of how to stage the action than say, a lot of the modern directors who come in with Hollywood influences. Because these guys, uh, Ajay Devan, of course, is a son of a veteran stunt director. So he also obviously had a, a, has a very good understanding of how to stage action, which he did in, in a couple of the films he's directed. I think his action sequences are very, very well directed. Same with Sunny Deol, you know, he did it in Dial once again. And I hope he makes more films. Though, though, you know, storytelling isn't great. It's very simplistic. It's very much in tune with his abilities as, as an actor. And I'll, li- I'll be lying if I said I liked even one frame of Gadar too, even though he didn't direct it. It was a terrible film. He was very bad in it. But, you know, it became a super hit. So <clears throat> so it's always very interesting to see how he sort of keeps reestablishing himself, keeps as a superstar in an era where there's so many changes and so much evolution. You
0: know, it's interesting you brought that point of how he never sort of became the son. But I see also Abhay Deol also did that. You know, he yeah. sort of, uh, again, not followed the conventional path of uh, old, And he did very offbeat, uh, sort of mm. the poster guy for the thing. Now, yeah. coming back to um, Sunny, uh, like other Deol, Bobby Deol. How has he yeah. been? He had this craze. Uh, somehow I... Now I see more craze for him than I remember from the 90s. Of course, there's an age thing, but um, how has your thinking evolved about him?
1: So now it's more like a spoofy craze, right? Like yeah. Lord Bobby and all have become a. It's a meme. He's more of a meme now, like yeah. than actual heartthrob, right? Uh, yes. He was an actual heartthrob when his first few films came out. I remember Karib and uh, what was the other film? Um, Barsat. And Soldier. And and Soldier. Soldier. I mean, those had made him legit. Like, he was doing things that Sunny Deol probably never could have and never would have. Like, he was that heartthrob in the first few films. And he worked with some fantastic directors in his first few films. So, I remember he had become a nationwide craze, especially because of the long hair. Everyone thought he was the second coming of, say, someone like Sanjay Dutt, who never really made it because of the controversies after Rocky in the 80s and all. So, I, uh, I was quite like, I never thought much of him as an actor, like I never thought about most of the Deol family. But they have this way, they have this comfort around the camera, they have this way of sort of being very confident about the aura they represent. And I thought Bobby Deol really exploded onto the stage. And I thought what he didn't end up succeeding at is what Ritik Roshan eventually ended up doing. You know, like, uh, because Kaunapan was the next big sort of nationwide craze. And Hrithik Roshan, even though he did a sting of flops after that, and he also worked with Vidhu Vinod Chopra very early in his career uh, and made these off choices, he still managed to maintain his star power, say far more than a Bobby deod who tanked after those first three or four films in the 90s. you think that, you know, that made him a, almost an overnight legend. And back then, there was no sarcasm involved. He was genuinely, uh, you know, he was genuinely almost a contender with the Khans at that point and uh, I remember and I, I remember watching uh, Barsat and Kareeb and I was absolutely blown away first of all by the soundtracks, beautiful soundtracks they they were haunting and love stories were the sort of uh, craze of the R. and I was um, I was quite um, you know very taken by the fact that there's there's this new sort of the old son who's do, who's very different from sunny, the old the only guy we are used to so far and who can actually be a romantic hero and who can and then of course he did started doing action films in fact he had a bunch of hits to his name even in the multi starring films he did you know like he 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 did ajnabi he did, Ajanabi, he did um, uh, you know he did a bunch Bichu. of them like
0: uh, Bichu. Bichu, badal i think badal
1: also yeah, yeah so i mean these were all big names right like and uh, and even though you know he was probably had the least sort of talent in that sense. I genuinely thought he would last. Uh,
0: mm-hmm. He would
1: last longer than he did. But in the 2000s, obviously, he absolutely, almost disappeared uh, in the late 2000s. And now it's very interesting to see him sort of come back. I mean, of course, his brother has come back in a very old school way, stubborn way, refusing to really adapt, and it's worked for him. But uh, Bobby Joel has become very interesting because he became more of a cult. Figure in the two thousand in the last decade because he he was a DJ for a while. The articles about him used to go viral, interviews about him used to go viral. Everyone sort of felt bad for him after a while, and it, it was almost funny. But he's made some very interesting uh, acting choices in the last couple of years. You know, um, whether it's Class of '83 or um, or Lover's Tale, he was he was uh, I thought he was fantastic in Lover's Tale. Great casting, of course, by Shankar Raman, but. Uh, But even to use Bobby Deol's that emotional inertia in in terms of a hitman is very difficult to do. And I'm actually, I just saw his, I just saw the Animal trailer yesterday, the Ranbir Kapoor Mm -hmm. film. That is, uh, that is something I'm, Bobby Deol is something I'm more excited about than Ranbir Kapoor in that film. Or even the controversial director of that film. So I'm, I'm quite up for this third innings that Bobby Deol is in. Because I think he's figured out the way he's aging and this, almost all of them have entered this uh, daddy era, so to say, with Shah Rukh Khan doing it and with with a bunch of uh, other older actors sort of embracing the way they've aged and uh, realizing that they can become that lusty older man almost uh, uh, the, and still be the you know very desirable figure. I think Bobby Dale also is playing into that. Uh, that meme that he became in the last ten years, and I, I think he's embracing that now with the roles he's doing, and he's he's quite surprising.
0: Yeah, <clears throat> he was great in Love Hostel, and I haven't yeah. seen that, but there's this is streaming show also um, with Prakash Jha where he's a Baba. Oh, that is uh, uh,
1: that uh, made him a superstar in the streaming uh, space.
0: Yeah, I forgot his name, Bob. Like he plays a fake yeah. Godman or something. Uh, and that's what I, I mean, I heard about that show, like it starts with F or whatever. Um, but he's uh, he's very interesting and animal also, of course, yesterday yeah. it was like a very interesting girl. OK, now let's come to um, somebody else like Karishma Kapoor. First, I'll ask about from Dil To Pagal Hai, Nisha or Pooja, who was yes. the better character? Um, or your your favorite you can be anything like just what are your views about that
1: I mean it's quite obvious it was like modern versus old school in that whole thing and and you could tell that you know Chopra was very much himself rooting for Pooja in that film even though Nisha is a very progressive character I think she was the better character in the sense because we hadn't sort of seen uh, modern women be able to exert the agency the way they did but also in the end, you could argue that you know the Shahrukh Khan character was sort of a jerk, and it worked out because he Shahrukh Khan and and, and sort of Nisha had to sacrifice her uh, sort of one-sided love for for a very old school love story because Rahul and Pooja were uh, Yash Chopra's idea of love. You know, it was still traditional. It was still this thing. So for me, like I was a, I, I was always the biggest fan, like I mentioned last podcast, of Madhuri Dixit and especially her character in Dil To Pagale. So I'm biased towards that. But I thought Nisha is a very interesting character in that film because you normally see only guys th- act as third wheels who give up, um, you know, the love of their lives. And I think Karishma really came into the mainstream with that film. Like she, I think she won a National Award for that. And I think uh, she she really uh, arrested a lot of imaginations that were not entirely favorable towards her. And except raja hindustani i don't think she had stood out as a solo heroine till then you know or as a or as a good actor till then because she was always opposite the govindas and opposite the uh, <clears throat> the other the other sort of male superstars of the era and i think it was only those two years where raja hindustani and dilto Pagala came where people realized that how she can be much more and um, and and i think um, it was a very interesting era for actresses back then and because to see the Urmilas and the Madhuris and the shidevis and the uh, and ravinas and then karishma who's probably the most unorthodox looking of the most uh, i i didn't expect her to become the star that she did by the end of that decade she was right up there with with the others um, but uh, it took me a while to warm up to her also of course when karina kapoor herself then hit the hit the scene. I realized that you know Karishma was far more limited than she was. She was almost like the Raoul Dravid and you know, Karina was like this superstar. As soon as she came, she had that aura, like a Tendulkar sort of thing. So I I feel like Karishma laid the ground very well as an older sister and as as an actress who went through the grind in the 90s for Karina to learn from it and Sort of breeze her way through her first five or six years because Karina immediately became the ne- became the next big thing. But it took Karishma a grind, and no matter who, whether she came from the Kapoor family or whether she was the daughter uh, of a big couple, but uh, it, it didn't matter. She had to go through the grind. It took her a while to establish herself, and I admire that. I admire her career trajectory more than her talent, you know. I, and I and I never thought much of her as an actress. Um, Until that, those last few years in the decade, you know, even I was, I mean, I was also young. So I went for the, obviously, the more conventional heroines and actresses. um, But she quite surprised me by the end of that decade.
0: Yeah. So, uh, you know, I was looking at her filmography and the initial, she's actually a true 90s heroine who started in like 1990, but her initial films are so like, you know, those Mukabla, Anadi. And uh, which I mean, they were okay for those times, but really uh, like or like uh, um, uh, the later ones. How was Zubeda? Do you remember Zubeda?
1: Oh, yeah, that is when and, you know we started Pisa. seeing the Pizza and Zubeda, mm-hmm. is when we started like early 2000s. We started seeing the solo, um, uh, solo actors vehicles, which we hadn't seen for ever almost, like before Vidya you know, it was like Karishma doing it. And of course, Vidya did it with far more commercial success and with better balance. But those choices, Zubeda and Fiza were um, were right up there because, you know, you could almost see that it was a reaction to a 90s filmography, which, which is what you mentioned. It was very forgettable in a sense. She was still the in our opposite heroes for the longest time. And you could almost see her explode saying, I want to prove myself as a perform as an artist and I have it in me. And she did prove with those films. She was terrific in those two films. I still remember in Zobeda very much. And I very much liked both of those films for that matter. And and uh, it was almost parallel cinema in a way. And uh, I was very happy that someone like her realized her potential like that um, because she was never going to be that very orthodox superstar. And I think by then she had realized that she was never going to be a Madhuri or a Sridevi. And uh, she had, in fact, the advantage of not making it like that. And so she managed to do it. Zubeda and Fiza uh, and were that that era's version of a streaming show right now. You know, it was as parallel as well, like Sushmita, what she did right now, what she's doing right now. Because they weren't as successful in the 90s, I think they m- managed to go with less baggage into those films and surprise everyone and do a very good job. And that's when she established herself as a proper artist. I don't think anyone doubted after that. And, uh, you know, irrespective of how those films did commercially, I don't care. Because those two films really stand the test of time.
0: So, you know, Zubeda so, was made by, was uh, by uh, Khalid Mahmoud. Yeah. And he's a film critic. <laughs> <laughs> and he has a very peculiar style of writing. So it used to take me a little bit of time. He used to write for Hindustan times. And uh, it just took me a lot of time to understand some of his reviews uh, because I've been reading him. Have you read him by any chance? Yeah, I used to read him (laughs) him? uh,
1: quite a lot. Him and Mayang Shekhar in the newspapers, I used to read quite uh, a lot. Khalid Mohamed used to be like this very um, almost Shakespearean in his takedowns of like Sony films. And shameless, no filters, nothing. And I used to enjoy that. Like it was very interesting.
0: Yeah, he's this very wacky sense of writing. And um, yeah, I think he's only made, uh, I think Zubeda only, I don't know. And it's based on his mother's uh, real yeah. story. But yeah, okay. Is Raja Hindustani a good film? Um,
1: I think, and I came around to this later, because, <laughs> but I think it is a good film. Like it's mm. it's not, uh, I, I when I watched it, I was not a fan. You know, I didn't like it at all um and i know it became famous because of that famous kiss and all but uh, i i do realize that it it was sort of a version of the comedies that were being made up till then the david davanas comedies like uh, sort of hero number no. 1 and a coolie no. number 1s where there was an obvious class you know re- Rich girl, poor boy, sort of thing. but it was a dramatic version of that is how I looked at it back then and I was like, ah, this isn't as fun to watch as say the David down films and uh, even though karishma was you know, you have to admit it now she was quite uh, she was quite stunning in her role as a this and it was something she could have almost done early on like it, she was always the heroine's best friend like, so well uh, epitomized in Andhra's apna, apna right like she was the assistant eventually in that even though they exchange identities and uh, and all in that but uh, i think um, i think in hindsight is i mean it's a film i enjoyed over time i liked over time i don't know if it's a good film but uh, it is one of the important 90s films like you cannot go through the 90s without talking about that and uh...
0: Uh, now, coming to another namesake, uh, Rahul Roy, he's been yeah. also the 90s uh, star and like the Ashiki and then the Junoon and great songs. Uh, yeah. How have you remembered him? <clears throat> uh,
1: very fleetingly, because I only because I was very young when I watched both Ashiki and Junoon. Junoon, for obvious reasons, I was scarred for the rest of my life. Should have mentioned that when we were talking about films that scarred <laughs> us? Uh, yeah. The tiger, the turning into a tiger scene was like, it stayed with me. No matter how badly done it was, I don't care. Uh, I've still not watched that scene again. It's really scary. Uh, because it, it reminded me of what, you know, Michael Jackson did in the thriller video and all. And, and it just, but that is all I associate with Raoul Roy with, you know, like those two films. I didn't uh, bother after that because then, you know, we got sort of caught up in the whirlwind of the Khans and the Kumars and the, uh, and all these uh, wonderful like new generational actors I was never very invested in Raoul Roy's career after that film you know like I, I didn't even know where he disappeared till I saw him in Big Boss you know and then winning the whole thing so um, and you know I always thought he would sort of make it because he had that very early on he had that middle parting sort of uh, heartthrob hairstyle that a lot of people like Leonardo DiCaprio had in Titanic later and um he had that chocolate boy thing about him and with those edgy choices that he did. I don't know where he disappeared after that. But I, I was not very sad or a big fan of him when, uh, he, even when he did that. So I didn't really notice that he was missing through the 90s. Mm. Uh,
0: do you remember Bandit Queen? I do, I do. Mm. How was that film? <laughs>
1: It was like, so I've, it's more defined, my perception is more defined by the rewatches over the years, because it has really become one of the most important sort of um, Hindi films we've seen, Um, especially because Shekhar Kapoor back then was Shekhar Kapoor. Uh, There was nobody else like him. Those three or four films, uh, you know, between Masoom, Mr. India, Bandit Queen, I don't think anyone... I don't think you'll have, like, other than, say, the Vidhu Vinod Chopra and all those, that was the batch that really changed the landscape of uh, Hindi cinema. And Bandit Queen, as a child, when I watched it, I was like, okay, this isn't the sort of film a child should be watching. I think think I'm going to let it go. I didn't know a lot of faces then. I didn't know who the actors were, nothing. But of course, then, you know, in the 2000s, when I watched it again, a bunch of times, once in film school, when we were showed it, Obviously, as a study of filmmaking uh, and screenplay, uh, I grew to really appreciate it, and I, I and I very much um, and I very much appreciate that era of four or five years where these kind of films were being made left, right, and center. You know, like there were even Meera and I had hit um, hit a stride then; she had just sort of landed on the scene. So I was uh, I was quite taken by that. And much later, did I realize, you know, Manoj Bajpayee had a sort of role in that. And big uh, fan of as a big fan of, uh, was, big fan of um, was it Nirmal Pandey uh, who later on became obviously he later on became a a, a villain in mainstream mm-hmm. Bollywood and you know very kitschy villain in 1, 2, 4 and a bunch of other films but uh, that batch uh, that that we see in Bandit Queen uh, whether actors uh, or filmmakers or it it was a once in a generation batch and I, I think we've learned to sort of recognize that after. A couple of decades.
0: Hmm. And how was Akeleha Makele Tum?
1: I still swear by that film. I know it's <laughs> like a I know it's plagiarized and I know it's a ripoff. Um it's one of the first films that made me cry like uh, in the 90s as a child, also. Because as a child, you know, you want to see fun films and you don't really crying isn't an emotion you associate with like watching films as a kid it's something that, as an adult, you grow to uh, appreciate as a reaction. But Ak tum really scarred me in a very different sense because um it was first of all, very risky topic because like a couple, like um sort of literally a heroine under the hero heroine story. And under this very conventional orthodoxy, you're telling a divorce story, a marriage story, which is very difficult to do back in the 90s with two big stars of that decade. Like Manisha Korela was one of my favorites from that decade, and Amir Khan had already established himself by then. Um, it really, like, for me, that pair, it was a parent story in my head because I was a child myself. And, um, you know, as someone who's grown up in, a household with a sort of fairly dysfunctional marriage because my parents eventually went to separate, went on to separate, and they too had a love marriage and they too had a very volatile sort of uh, first ten or fifteen years when I was a child. Uh, I remember a lot of those fights. So Akela, Akela, spoke directly to me in that sense, and I just the prospect of having to watch your parents get divorced on that, and the mother became becoming a big, and even you know a parallel film going on where the the, the wife is becoming a big sort of star and uh, the husband is struggling as a musician uh, till the end i thought um, some of the scenes have haunted me and still stayed with me it, was, it came from a very personal space for me um, i think um, i still i still don't have the courage to rewatch that film a bunch of times so i think i've just seen scenes from it um, nothing else
0: and then uh, you know uh, there was of course border um, How is yeah. border and it, how was How is J.P. Dutta's other films? Have you liked any of his films?
1: No, no, I haven't uh, liked any of his films. But uh, Border was a nationwide sensation, right? Like, I got swept away like everyone else did, like, back then. Uh, it was one of those films, like, of course, we know later on that uh, Trial by Fire, this Netflix series that came this sale, you know, so many people... I remember that incident in Delhi when the fire yeah. happened. And everyone had gone toward Border and which was which added to its um, to its myth. Um, and Border had already become a big deal by then. And I remember I myself was in Delhi then. I was visiting relatives. I think I was on vacation or something. And my mother's side of the family lived in Delhi. I used to enjoy those visits. And Border was playing in theaters then. And uh, <clears throat> and I was very much swept away in that thing. I went twice, I think, to watch it. Uh, once with relatives, once with friends, uh, and, uh, I very much enjoyed it when I was a kid. Like, I didn't know, like, better than, and patriotism and anti-Pakistan, fun and games, and it was, it was one of the first truly, uh, like, big war films we had seen in my generations, and, in my generation, and, and we had seen, like, this star cast where a lot of these actors would go on to become, uh, to become, you know, big in their own right, and, um, uh, we hadn't seen, a, except the Bajjatya films, I don't seen, I think we had seen a star cast in, say, an action film in a war film like that. And I think it was a big deal then. And I hadn't heard of JP Data for that either. And the music became, the soundtrack became a big thing because I remember my uh, one of biggest memories of Border is for the next one or two years, after that, every singing competition in school was mm. won by someone who sang Sanjay Se right. And there uh, <laughs> That singer was in my class, like he was in my part of my batch. And he was a very good singer. He had a lovely voice. I think his name was Rowan. And uh, every time it was just about him singing Sunday Se Aate and how well he would sing it. And there was no competition to that because it was the emotion as- associated with the song as well as the way he sung it. And for the next two or three years, a lot of the border songs were sung in our singing contests in school. And I remember sit- sitting in the auditorium and feeling goosebumps every time I heard that song. And uh, thinking of rewatching the movie on cable if it ever comes. But you know, in the long run, I haven't really watched Border on a whole again. It's really aged badly. It's tacky. Uh, it's J P. Dutta hasn't didn't make a good film after that. I think he got carried away with his reputation. I hear Border Two is in the works. God help all of us because Gather Two was bad enough. But uh, but you wow. know, I, I quite liked a few characters from that. Like the Akshay character, like the Kulbushan Khar- Kharbanda character was a cook in that. And, um, and you know, all these little, little stories, I still remember from that more than the war sequences themselves. You know, even uh, Jack Eshoff as this Air Force commander. Um, it, it's just part of your childhood weakness. You know, it's, it's something you will never forget for better or worse.
0: Yeah, even I just remember Akshay Khanna and his mother's story, yeah. like uh, and that Puja but a little bit of hers. Yeah. But the war yeah. sequences, you know, they yeah, yeah. like they um. Uh, but it's these stories that I remember. Uh, uh, do you have you watched Om I haven't seen Om Like J P Dutta's. I want to watch no, it. I, I was thinking.
1: It. I didn't have the courage to.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. And, you know, now there was Amitabh Bachchan who started his decline in the 90s before Konberneka Karolpati came in. But, you know, there were some good films that he did, like good in the sense, like still better than some of them, Rithyudand and Rithidata, whatever. Mm-hmm. Sorry, not
1: Rithidata,
0: but there was Agnipath and Hum uh, mm. and then uh, Kodagawa. Were any yeah. of these films you liked? Uh, hum or yeah. hum, uh, uh, Kodagawa. Agnipath we have spoken about, I think.
1: So we, I mean, we'll talk about, uh, obviously, it was the early 90s when he still did these films, you know, Hamad mm-hmm. And I think he was still then at an age where he could pull that off and like still be the Amitabh Bachchan we knew in like in a very fading sense. Agnipath is one of my favorites, I still maintain. Like for me, my favorite Godfather version of Bollywood. Uh, but, um, you know, before the Mrityudata and the Lal Bachcha nonsense that came later, uh, it, it really was this was the last dying spark of the Amitabh Bachchan that became a superstar in the 70s and uh, you know and in the 80s so yeah, I think these films like Hum and all where he was if you look at it he was already playing the older character in them he was playing the older brother the patriarch of the family uh, and, it, and it was of course like a sort of union of like South and Bollywood, Rajnikanth and Amitabh, one film was a big deal for, I think, uh, a lot of us in the 90s because we hadn't seen a lot of Rajnikanth being Bollywood fans. And it was, for us, the first experience of it, <clears throat> Govinda and that. So, um, I liked Ham. I liked Ham very much. I watched it a bunch of times and uh, I loved Agnipath. So, for me, but it was still when I was watching these films, I was always under very consciously thinking, ah, this is my dad's favorite hero. Um, This is my dad's generation films, and my generation is taking over now, like the Shahrukh Khan has just come, Amir Khan has just come, Uh, so so when we used to watch the Shahrukh Khan, Amir Khan films, I used to tell my dad, see, look, these are our young sort of heroes, these are the people I love, and then when we used to watch Agnipatham, he used to be like, you know, look, this is the guy I grew up idolizing, Uh, and his favorite was Rajesh Kannan, not even Amitabh Bachchan, so you can imagine Uh, how it used to be almost a contest in the same household between two generations. And I used to quite appreciate Amitabh Bachchan more from an acting perspective because I never related to him as a superstar because I was never born then. So I didn't know how big he was when I watched Agnipat and Hum uh, and Khudagawa. And I think one of my first memories also of watching a Hindi film was Shensha, even though it was, I think, the late 80s. Uh, For me, uh, that was what a homegrown superhero was. Um, for the longest time and I because we didn't have superhero films and it was only Superman in the West and Batman so um, for me that vigilante sort of thing was the same as the superhero genre so for me he always stood out as a very imposing actor with that great voice he was never a superstar so the 90s I watched the decline and I thought you know what was the big deal about him my dad used to go crazy about him and I think a lot of us had given up on him till Kaun Banega, Karodpati and Moapate came, you know, in the same, almost the same year. And that was, and you know, it was shocking to learn that he was only 57 or 58 when he did Maopate and Shahrukh Khan is right now 58 and he's doing Jawan. That says so much about how uh, Meiji Mindhsema has changed in the last 20 years and how he'd have to do the grandfather and the old father roles at that age and our Khans right now are still playing action stars. And I think that's what Amitabh tried to do in the 90s. He still tried okay. to stay relevant uh, in that very, in the very, that no man's land between 40s and 50s, where actors couldn't be heroes anymore. They couldn't be fathers either. So they didn't know what to do. Uh, I think a lot of directors cast him badly, though I still maintain that I quite like Suryavancham, even though it became a set max uh, favorite. Uh, for me, that double role was, I, I really enjoyed watching it. I loved Kadir Khan. And. Anupam Kher in that film as well. Two of my favorite sort of uh, character actors in the 90s. Uh, they did so many good comedies together and I thought they complemented each other very well in Surya also. also. Uh, but yeah, you know, apart from this odd spark here and there, uh, I, I really only then, I was very happy that Amitabh made that comeback as also a superstar because him and Shahrukh was starting to be cast in the same films then Hrithik Roshan in the same film so it was three generations then it had become uh, it had become a big deal for a lot of us youngsters uh, then because it would bring three generations of audiences to the theaters with all generations pointing at the screen and saying look that's my superstar so that was a big deal
0: right nice. Now, is Sanjay Kapoor also going through a renaissance of some sort? <laughs> <laughs> and what are your memories of his 90s films? And now, of course, he's been in Lust Stories, Made in Heaven, all those sort of things.
1: It's so it's so similar to, you know, how Bobby, Bobby did Right. Like Sanjay Kapoor is, again, you know, comes from famous family, brother of a very famous uh, star of the late 80s and 90s. Um, again, you know, his first two films were super hits, you know, and he acted with Madhuri and uh, you, again, everyone expected to, him to take off. He never did as a solo hero, even though his first two films were as a solo hero. Um, I think uh, it was, I don't know if it was the curse of being the brother or the son of a more famous person or being Sort of maybe being the brother of the more famous superstar or the actor because all these Sunny Deol and Anil Kapoor and all came up in the late 80s and these came up in the 90s as these romantic heroes and tried to compete directly, I think, with Shah Rukh Khan. And I think that may not have worked in the long run. I don't think the audiences wanted that either. So until Rithik Roshan came in Kauna Pare and not, he wasn't exactly a romantic hero there either. He was more was more of an action thriller too. And Ritik Roshan never, if you think about it, he never made it as a romantic hero. Even after that, he made made a bunch of bad films after that. So, I think Sanjay Kapoor was victim to that same 90s syndrome. Uh, I I mean, I've enjoyed watching those first two films. Uh, but And the soundtracks, again, they all have so much in common. And I think um, it wasn't until Luck by Chance where I realized, you know, he's so much like Anil Kapoor. And he, they're using that perception of them as off-screen people. And as their careers, as, as you know, on screen too. He was so enjoyable in Luck by chance. And I think he's been doing the same thing again and again in the last few years as well on this in the streaming platforms. He's always playing the husband who is unaware of his wife cheating on him. Or the patriarch who is actually funnier than he is sinister. Um, and he has this very Anil Kapoor thing about him. It it's a Kapoor sort of trademark. And I think he's used it quite well. You know, he's used that meme... Uh, our meme, very meme perception of him also the way Bobby Deol has. but I think the Sanjay Kapoor is a little smarter about it. he's used it well you know even the way he came in maiden in recently is very much like how he appeared in the first last stories uh, or um, uh, you know in a bunch of films he's played the father who's always a version of what Anil Kapoor does too. So and I think he's very watchable you know that's the thing. I think he very much understands the privilege that he comes from. And the entitlement that they've grown up on the 90 stars and they um, um, and all of them. So I think because of that, he plays rich, wealthy uh, men and husbands in a very distinctive manner, where where he also laughing at himself, or he is taking a pot shot at himself, uh, just as we are as at the characters. And I think it's it's always fun to see Sanjay Kapoor's face on screen because it makes me laugh. The first my first reaction is always laughing. It's never that he's he's the He's the misogynist husband or he's the cheater or something like that. I would never be able to see him play a dark role now, basically. And he was very much fun in Bloody Daddy recently, you know. Again, he played like a gangster, uh, almost, who's who's playing Sanjay Kapoor in a way, but he's also playing like this mafia don who's who's funnier than he is darker. So I, I quite enjoy watching Sanjay Kapoor now, more than, say, the other actors who are trying to make comeback.
0: Yeah, and then, uh, of course, that Lagbhai-chan role, again, so meta, like a flop actor, yeah, sorry, uh, <laughs> a, br- a flop brother, sort of. I mean, I'm not saying uh-huh. it's good, but that's the how he was cast yeah, there. Yeah. Uh, how was Sirf Thum? Do you remember that film? Oh, yeah,
1: of course I remember. I totally <laughs> forgot Sanjay Kapoor was part of that film. Because uh, it's so difficult to think of him as a serious romantic hero now, if you watch his last 10 years. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Siftum, I very much like that film. Like I will never, of course, again, inspiration problem from the West. Uh, very much taken. But um, but I'll never forget the last 10 or 15 minutes, the letter and the train and uh, a lot of those things. And I thought he was very serviceable. But it, for me, the actor stood out more than he did in that film because it was very much a film of a woman. And, um, and uh, yeah, that, I'm glad you mentioned that film. Totally skipped my mind. Have very happy memories of that film also because I looked at it as in at a fi- as a film in the same bracket as You've Got Mail and that that Hindi version of You've Got Mail that had uh, Sonali Bendre in it um, with that actor who recently lost his life to suicide I think I forgot his name but I was also a big fan of that Hindi film which was a sort of a, a remake of You've Got Mail our version of it with the internet uh, with like the internet still. Making its debut in Hindi films almost, um, and um, and I think that um, Siftoom reminded me of that film also.
0: I asked because Siftoom is one of my favorite films from the 90s because it's not you know it hasn't aged as poorly as some of the Gopi yeah, Krishans yeah. and uh, <laughs> those which look very old now. But yeah, of course they still it's a little awkward to watch it now. Okay. Now, I think we have uh, a few minutes uh, left, sort of. So I'll ask, we can never finish uh, talking about 90s. We'll continue on again in some future episode about 90s. So I'll ask uh, about screenplays. And, you know, one thing uh, uh, I've read about in this some review, I think it was Badra's Rangan, he made this point about the actors, that they think in English and they write in Hindi. Uh, Do you see that? In their
1: writing screenplay, <clears throat> I remember that point. That's a fantastic point, first of all, because that's a line that stayed with me also. Um, and and it's only after reading that line, I I started looking at it like that and realized that. And that's the point of great criticism, too. You know, you learn things like that. And uh, and I agree with that. Like I, if you look at her films, like lagbhai chance came from such a personal space. So, you know, like the Hindi, if you think about her films, except Gully Boy, if you think about everything she's done so far, um, the language itself does not stand out to you. It's not like film set in a Hindi environment. Like they had no reason to talk in Hindi in Zindagi Na Milegi Dobara. They were very much towny friends who talked in English. They were very much, you know, these, um, and all of those people from those class brackets, their first language is English. And Hindi is not their first language. So when I heard like Ritik and Farhan talking in Hindi, it didn't seem as organic. Um, Maybe Farhan did, but the others, it didn't seem as organic. There was a lot of English thrown across the film, which which sounded far more natural to Zoya Akhtar's sort of setting than the Hindi spoken in that film. And if you think of Zoya Akhtar's work, whether Made in Heaven also, and uh, even Ragbai, I don't remember Hindi as the language of those films. For me, they may as well have been speaking in English. Or a mix like English, um, and I think that English is something uh, she gets very well. Uh, I don't think it's a drawback like that. She thinks in English, and you know what? Uh, eventually, I think she's learned to figure that out because there's a lot of English even in maiden. Even if you look at the writing, the first season especially, it's uh, it's almost like 40% of English and 60% of Hindi or do or whatever it is. Um, but, um, and that's why I look at Ghaliba as such a great film, such an outlier in a filmography, because uh, that was entirely in a Hindi sort of belt in a way. And it was entirely Hindi speaking characters, except the Kalki character who again spoke a lot of English there. And you could sense that you're struggling to speak in Hindi, which was part of the film also. So, so yeah, I think Zoya owned that identity over time. And I think uh, coming from filmmakers who've grown up in Juhu and Bandra, it's always the case, and I think it's the same with Karan Jaur as well. If you look at Rocky or Rani, um, it's a lot of uh, English humor uh, with great Hindi dialogue writing, and uh, and the cross-cultural sort of misunderstanding, the humor, the uh, <clears throat> the comedy used in it is very much comes from an English-speaking space, um, mm-hmm. and it comes very much from you know English memes from Twitter. From if you if you spend one or two nights with people who've grown up in Bandra town, you will learn that the humor is very much like the Rocky and Rani humor, except it's in English. Um, and Hindi is not always their first language. Of course, Karan comes from a Punjabi family, so his grasp of Hindi is better than, say, um, say the other um, sort of directors from that generation. So I think uh, that's that's a very good observation, and I think over time it served our uh, the way we look at Zoyakhtar's filmography also.
0: Do you think that's one of the reasons You know, some of these... Um action films or like you know these films which are about these audiences who don't feel represented now Uh, for example uh, like a not a small town film but let's say even a Gadar or like this Kabir Singh types is there Uh. some something missing for that is these other people like to watch which is like no moral science or no Hindi English thinking? I don't know if I'm making sense, but I hope you got the gist, what I'm trying to ask. Uh,
1: no, just like uh, ask again, like the gist. Okay. Gist, uh, so uh, uh,
0: what I'm trying to ask is, you know, these guys think in English and write in Hindi. Uh, so their thinking okay. is very much um, yeah. modern, but yeah, yeah, the audiences hasn't perhaps progressed as fast mm. with these people. So yeah, they, yeah. Uh, there they, is a conflict and some of these other films. Which a film like you know Kabir Singh comes in that sort of gives voice to this unheard. I would not say voice, but you what I'm trying to say, like some representation that you know somebody's thinking like us. Is that the case? Do you feel so?
1: Oh understood. That you know, that's where the term multiplex sort of films came from, also, I feel like this is what they mean by multiplex films, where they're thinking in English and writing in Hindi. Um and I think that interesting point you make about the relationship between language or thinking and uh, and morality or uh, values right mm-hmm. like and that's uh, something that's that's a good point which emerges in something like made in heaven season 2 you know the reason so many people got annoyed with that is exactly this elitism that people associate with multiplex films the multiplex thinking sure it's progressive thinking and sure they are modern values and sure they have the gift of education and uh, you know, online sort of vibes uh, that they are so online all the time that they know what is politically correct, what is right, what is wrong, what to say, what not to say, and I think that influences you to an extent where you start to become a little too condescending and preachy, which we saw in made made an event to Where see, we've seen Hindi films do that for the longest time. Akshay Kumar films is like monologue after monologue and telling us what to think, how to think. But that still is telling a lot of Hindi speaking people, Hindi speaking belts. Uh, they're speaking in their language. You're you're basically giving pro- very progressive sort of almost woke values in in Hindi language, but you're actually thinking in English. So that is a good point actually. That's a good mm-hmm. question because I think it's something to think about as well because uh, that relationship between language or linguistics of Hindu cinema, Hindi cinema, and values is a it's very much part of the conflict we go through these days, especially with streaming. Uh, releases and all so i think uh yeah i think yeah you, you have yeah, a point yeah,
0: yeah. okay now you did a podcast with the um uh, you know Kohora writers right. and uh, you yeah. mentioned one point uh uh there that the subtext thing uh, of course the podcast is also there uh, what mm-hmm. else did you think, think. Uh, like was not as intuitive to you during their podcast, or did you learn something out of that thing?
1: i mean I learned the one thing I learned from that was that um I think our job as film people and film writers and reviewers and critics um I think we take a show or a good show or a good film at face value in a sense that we immediately look for things in it and realize, okay, this is meta, this is great, this is what they were trying to say um this came across and oh wow, the design is such that there are layers beneath it. But I don't think good writers like the Quora writers I talked to, I don't think they think so systematically when they write the shows. It comes from a space of wanting to discover and explore an environment. And what happens eventually is their subconscious sort of the storytelling that comes out eventually is not as designed and as systematic. as, And when it is designed, it's dishonest. And we can tell that, okay, this is what they were trying to do and try to trick the audience and try to manipulate us into thinking this. But with something like Quora, the messages and the the patriarchy that we see in that series and how uh, sort of they've dealt with the Punjab we see in the series is very lived in and organic. So whatever we we deciphered at the end of the series that this is what they were trying to say is actually not something they set out to say. It just came across very organically in their writing because they were true to their voices, true to their um, their investigation of Punjab, their inve- investigation of, modern, uh, of how modern families work and how relationships work. And I think this whole thing where, I, I think one of my longest reviews was of Quora because I was fascinated by the amount of things They were able to get across and how many things they were able to address in one show uh, and how many layers there were but I don't think they wrote it like that it just came and that's the triumph of a show like that I think they were confident in the ability to maybe uh, let the audience think for themselves and figure out uh, the threads and the the themes uh, afterwards and what we figure out is us telling them that this is probably what you were thinking and I was quite surprised that they were like, you know, actually, that's true. We didn't think of it when we were writing it, but this is true. And that's not good criticism or good writing or good, you know, whatever. Like, uh, uh, it, it's us, it's them basically succeeding more than we did at getting across things they probably had at the back of their mind, but they didn't know that they were getting across. So I think that's something I learned very much from talking to the writers of Kora. Because the themes in itself, we can discuss forever, you know, we can, uh, we can love, we love subtext, right, As as people who read films. But that subtext isn't always um, isn't always deliberate by the writers. They trust that the subtext will come out whenever it does if they stick to the basics, and that's what the Quora writers did. Yeah.
0: You know the funny thing about Korra was also I was watching I watched Korra and Kathal at the same, pa- for the oh, same yeah. time, and then there was this one scene about uh, women uh, police inspectors needing to go to the loo. And both of them had it. And it was such a big coincidence. Like, you know, how did these two disparate sort of films or shows had the same scene? And of course, you know, I was wondering how did they think of it? But, uh, you know, like comes naturally, I guess, you know. Um, And this was just a trivia I was sharing. Okay. Now, my other question is, like, uh, you know, Panchayat has been... uh, said a lot about it so so like um, my question here is like can a screenplay like you know panchayat or something like that can it be taught my favorite question can writing be taught so can screenplay writing be taught I
1: I don't think screenplay writing can be overtaught like sure you can learn the basics of screenplay writing and I'm sure there is much to learn in that Uh, but just like I believe film criticism or any kind of writing can't be taught I think a lot of it you need to figure out your instincts and your uh, your voice very early on so that you know how much to learn and how much to dispose of. Uh, because there are teachers everywhere and they will tell you that there's a method, there's a trope, there's a technique to do things. And in long-form storytelling, especially, you know, you want like... But I feel like I'm still a big believer of instinct and voice, like uh, letting something natural... Uh, Uh, you know, overwhelm something that can be taught or technical. I'm not a big fan of technicalities. Um, And uh, Panchayat is also a good example, you know, like you you think it go in a certain direction in the second season, but it keeps challenging your notion of where it's going. And they are being also like they are being sort of progressive in their own way. They are being entertaining in their own way, but they are also going according to some kind of instinct. You know, they they aren't sticking to the rules per se. And uh, and yeah, they will, there will be, um, I mean, you have to learn the basics of writing everywhere or learn, especially a technical craft, like scene play writing. But at some point, you need to learn to let go and sort of go with your own instinct. Because writer's room exists for a reason. That's why you learn and collaborate on writing. And it is a collaborative process. You can't do everything alone. Like uh, recently, watch Chuna, Netflix show, which is releasing today only, and the same creator is the writer and the director. It's one person who's written an eight-episode show, one-hour-long episodes. Uh, it's a politicalized, it's a comedy, it's a bunch of things. Um, and it's a mess. You can tell that the writer needed a writer's room, some help, some co-writer, something. And I'm not saying too many cooks spoil the broth or anything, but sometimes I think your learning process is in those writers' rooms, is in the organization of your thoughts and the screenplay. And that organization is something that doesn't need to be taught. You as a person need to organize your uh, your sort of rhythm and thoughts of a screenplay. So I think uh, I think, yeah, it's the same answer for all kinds of writing.
0: And now sort of my last question, who are your contenders for good screenplay till... Year to date, like anything any films or shows, sure. okay.
1: Hindi specifically,
0: I but yeah, English
1: Hindi can be that. English, let's not get into. I think yeah. Hindi would be a good sort of. The, it's mostly the shows, honestly, like because the film we we haven't had standouts. We've had some blockbuster films, but let's be honest, they weren't great writing or anything. Um, I I mean, Kora for me is right at the top in terms of screenplay writing. Like it's, it's it taught me so much and it also you know it, i i would love to watch it at some point again later on uh, i thought trial by fire was very well written very well narrated a uh, very different way to tell uh, a very famous story and um, if you have to give a biographical portrait of something that's probably the way to do it and fantastic performances in both those shows so screenplay is almost an extension of those performances so uh I, I feel like those two shows were right up there for me in terms of writing. And uh, I quite enjoyed The Hard also. Like, um, And, you know, even though it's far more crowd pleasing than the other shows, I think uh, The Hard and School of Lies are, again, two shows that can be studied for screenplay writing or can be sort of looked at and learned from in terms of writing, in terms of structuring your long-form narratives and not giving too much away and not being too gimmicky at the same time um I, you know i i I'd normally Anselmetha mehta would be on a list like this with you know something like scoop or some but i don't think scoop is at that level as these these shows i mentioned um in terms of films the pickings are very slim i don't think one any single film sort of to out in that sense in terms of screenplay writing but shows i always maintain this is like a golden era and like sure there are very some very bad shows most of the time but the good ones are really good. Like um, I think uh, it needs to be like we look back on the, these few years and realize that long form storytelling was truly born in Hindi, at least in Hindi cinema. Uh, now um, you know I'm having a look at the films I've reviewed in the last seven or eight months, and really you know apart from the obvious. It's um, there's nothing really that stands out like, and that's that's the thing about feature storytelling now. It's a, like Goldfish I watched, and even though it was technically not a commercial release, I thought it was very well written. the, the acting could have threatened to like hijack the screenplay, but if you want to tell a dementia story, um, I thought it was quite well written. Uh, apart from that, no, I don't have anything in feature films. Not mm-hmm. it,
0: and then I'll just. I wanted to say this point before I forgot, like, Bobby Deol was supposed to be in We Met. <laughs> 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 uh, yes, he <laughs> was the first cast uh, before Shahid he wanted to cast Bobby Deol. I wanted to say that point. So like be, before I forget, I'll end this with trivia. But I wonder I'm,
1: how that film would have turned
0: out. I know. <laughs> it would have been, like... The role has become so iconic that yeah. it's hard to imagine somebody, but it would still have been interesting to see how that, that would have turned me? out.
1: Sure.
0: You yeah, know, yeah. Uh, but yeah. Anyway, okay, Rahul, again, a uh, very nice uh, nostalgia trip today. So um, yeah. uh, hopefully we will be back in a few weeks. So have a thanks everybody for listening and hope you enjoy your travels. We'll be back soon. Okay, thanks everyone.